Hey, with me via telephone is David Mastovich. He's the founder and CEO of Mass Solutions, an uh, organization promoting business, marketing, and uh, been so excited to talk to Dave Mastovich for some time now. It's good to have you with us today, Dave. Thanks. Thank you, Bogue. Happy to be here. Yeah. Hey, this is a very trying time, I'm sure, for a lot of people. And I'm sure it's a trying time for organizations that you deal with right now. Uh, have you ever seen anything like what we've witnessed over the last month or so? No, it's the first time that anything's been to this full scale of everybody being impacted in almost the same way. And it just has been the most trying time for businesses that I've seen. And I've been through 9-11 and the 2008 crash and so forth. So this is definitely the most unique and challenging time for leaders. What would you advise the person listening to our conversation right now that has a business uh, to try to remain relevant? Is there any common thing that, you know, all businesses should be looking at right now? Yes, there is. And I think there's a tendency for people to pull back and be scared or immediately do furloughs. And I understand that sometimes that might be the appropriate choice. However, Whoever is out there needs to do really three things. Mm -hmm. Adapt, innovate, and communicate. And what I mean by that is immediately once this hit, what I did at Mass Solutions was I began with my strategic team to look at ways that we could adapt and innovate. And we've done that. We actually have come up with uh, a couple of new products and services that A, help our clients, which is most important because no one's going to buy it if it doesn't help them. Mm -hmm. But B actually increases revenue at a time when many companies are seeing a decline in revenue. And when I talk to CEOs in my network, the adapt and innovate are two things that you really have to try to do and get your strategic team together and come up with creative ways to adapt and innovate during the crisis. And the third piece is communicate. And that one is the most significant one from the standpoint that everybody needs to have a COVID-19 communications plan to reach, influence, and engage each of their target audiences. And I just think that many companies aren't realizing the full totality of what I just said. Everybody sent out the perfunctory email, Bo, that perfunctory email that said, here's how Barstool Sports is going to adapt to COVID-19. Here's how Dick's Sporting Goods is going to adapt to COVID-19. Here's how Bob's Discount Furniture is going to adapt. And all of us received hundreds of those emails from a gym we were a membership of anything and all of us ignored hundreds of those emails everybody also put a COVID-19 on the banner on the top of their website and all of us go to our favorite websites and ignore that banner so you those are perfunctory things I'm not saying you shouldn't have done everyone did them there's nothing wrong with doing them they're the minimum standard to play Mm -hmm. but you really have to have a COVID-19 communications plan so that you have specific tactics and messages to reach, influence, and engage each of your key target audiences. So I'm sure the same rules apply crisis or non-crisis, but it's all about preparation, isn't it? It is. It's about preparation and commitment and discipline. The first part is taking the time to prepare that plan and working with someone that's a communications expert and probably somebody outside of the organization. Why do I say that? Because this is the time when you need to have outside ideas to combine with your inside expertise. 
you can do it yourself, and, and that can work to a degree, but I think it, it works even better when you have others involved with the preparation. But once you do the preparation and planning, it takes commitment to do things that are difficult yeah. because of the situation, and it takes discipline. And what I've found with many of my clients over the years is that last part, discipline, is so hard because they just aren't disciplined to stick to that same communication again and again and again because mm-hmm. the first time you tell it to someone, I can give you this example, Bo. Okay. I don't know what your personal situation is, but at my house, my family will tell you just telling me something once mm-hmm. doesn't change my behavior. Telling me twice, three times. I have a teenager who, when I tell him something once, twice, three times, doesn't necessarily change behavior. Mm-hmm. So why would we expect our clients and our employees and our centers of influence, our referral sources to be any different? So when I say discipline, it means that same message needs to be told very similar fashion mm. in multiple channels and vehicles again and again so that you reach each target audience so they actually reach influence and engage with them yeah you're listening to voice of uh, dave mastovich he's the founder and ceo of mass solutions uh also uh does uh public speaking and also author hey tell us a little bit about what the organization is is all about you are dealing with businesses uh, within the region, within the world, right? Bo, imagine having a, a career in which your first three or four or five stops of your career, your first decade of your career, imagine it being your dream and you're doing all these things that you wanted to do mm-hmm. turning around organizations, messaging, marketing, uh, influence, plans, leadership, and so forth. But imagine landing the supposed dream job of any marketer in the tri-state region Mm. as the top marketing position at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. That's what happened to me. But then imagine that after you get that job, you're driving to work every day and you have a pit in your stomach when you get to the Fort Pitt Tunnel because you know you're not a fit Mm -hmm. with the organization. But I gained so much experience during my time there and had such great leaders and peers, but the organization was moving in different directions and so forth. So I saw a trend that education was behind healthcare as far as marketing. Yeah. So everything that I had applied in all these turnarounds of healthcare systems and that I applied in building the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center's health plan and their sports relationships with the Steelers and Penguins and the relationships with outside regions like Johnstown, I saw education was behind that by about 10 years. And I took the leap to be a chief communications officer at Duquesne University Mm -hmm. and applied the same tenets of marketing that I had applied in healthcare, and it worked. And those tenets come from two things. Number one, the father of marketing. And many people don't even know who the father of marketing is. People that work in marketing don't know who the father of marketing is. If you ask someone in management who the father of management is. Many people will say Peter Drucker, Mm -hmm. but in marketing, it's not as well known. Well, I learned very early in my life as a teenager from the father of marketing, Philip Kotler. Mm -hmm. And I took Philip Kotler's teachings and saw what worked and how it applied to the real world. And I kept tweaking that until I had my own system that helped build UPMC's brand and reputation and helped grow the health insurance plan to one of the fastest growing in the United States and helped Duquesne University receive back-to-back-to-back record-breaking freshman classes in both size and academic talent. And I realized that I had done this for a number of other places, and I thought, I now have the model. It combines the teachings of the father of marketing with the real no-BS 
application in the real world, and I decided to start Mass Solutions. And we talk about how we believe we're the world's only no BS marketing firm. And we say that tongue-in-cheek, but so many people out there don't understand what marketing is, mm-hmm. even people that work in marketing. And so people are doing things that they think are real marketing when in reality they're just scratching the surface of their potential. So that's what we say when we say we do no BS marketing to help companies really leverage this thing called marketing that most people don't fully understand. So that's kind of my story, the passion of doing it in the trenches, seeing companies grow to multi-billion dollars in size and then saying, I'm going to apply this myself. I wanted to be able to give those same abilities to any company regardless of size or industry that's why i did mass solutions and that's how we do it it's a pretty cool story of a guy that's from these parts originally did you see yourself as a kid to have all this responsibility as an adult (laughs) it's funny you ask that because i just was interviewed on our podcast for the 350th episode we turned the tables and let my team interview me and one of the <laughs> questions they asked was similar to that yeah my brother mike who is the famous one in john of course the, mike mastovich uh, yes mm-hmm. the great sports writer yeah. he's the kinder gentler mastovich if anyone remembers <laughs> the original george bush's phrase a kinder gentler country well uh so my brother mike and our next door neighbor mike Minot, the three of us were very much into every sport, but we were also into creative stuff. We were into comic books and so forth. And the three of us were storytellers from an early age, and we actually would create comic books. And the funny thing was, was I was already kind of filling the role that I feel now, was I, was, I wasn't good at drawing things, but I was good at coming up with the story and imagining what it should look like. And mm. my brother was good at writing and drawing, and Mike Minot was off the charts at drawing, and that's why he became one of the most talented creatives I've ever worked with. I've been blessed to work with my brother and my next door neighbor friend, lifelong friend. That's awesome. We would get these comic books and I remember they'd get frustrated with me. We're like say eight years old and I'd say, No, no, that's not how nuclear man looks and they go, What are you talking <laughs> about? You're describing him. He's in your head. We haven't seen him. But I was doing creative direction. But then I would also go and sell the comic books to the neighbors. Yeah. So I was always combining the business side, the analytical side and the creative side. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd be lying if I said I knew that I was going to end up doing what I did. I graduated from a state school, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, had a tremendous experience there, mm-hmm. learned a lot, got to have relationships with professors. With I had great friends. I have no regrets. I would recommend it to someone who comes from my upbringing where we didn't have the money. I mean, I could have got into many schools. My brother could have as well, mm-hmm. but we were economically pragmatic. And so I went to IUP and came out and started working in uh, radio, because I had been in radio like you. I had been in radio since a teenager. I had written for various newspapers as a, since a teenager, done some TV work. I always did all this stuff part-time. Two radio stations that I worked part-time with were bankrupt, and mm-hmm. the credit union that loaned them the money actually took over. So I come into these radio stations that used to have big pictures of the Rolling Stones on the wall or something like that. They had rock bands on the wall and so forth. Now you come in and there's a credit union flag and an American flag. It looked like a bank waiting room. Mm-hmm. And there was no one to run the stations, and there were just a couple of us who were very loyal to the station. So three or four of us just got together and kind of retooled the station and turned it around. So mm-hmm. that experience got me leadership experience, management experience, sales experience, writing experience, promotional experience. All of that when we went from worst to first. We were ranked 13th and 14th. 
out of 14 stations, and we went to number one and number three. Yeah. And we were losing a half million dollars, and we went to making about a half million dollars. And that experience set the tone. But even then, I still, Bo, didn't know that I had this top-level marketing mind to do strategy and sales and come up with messaging and slogans. There are slogans of companies and mission statements of companies that I've created all across the world. Mm. And, you know, that's something I'm very proud of. And I yeah. never thought about until these interviews came up. Right. But that's just something I didn't know that when we were turning those radio stations around. I was an on-air personality. Mm -hmm. I was someone to help write bits for the morning show. Mm. I would do stringer work for a couple of newspapers. But I didn't realize that I also had this knack to understand a business's story and put it in human terms for the customer. Yeah. So that came a little bit later, but that's that's the story of when I started realizing we were little kids, we were already creative, we were already analytical, we were already coming up with ideas, and I also had a business savvy. And then I was a teenager working at multiple radio stations, multiple newspapers and TV stations, and one of them was going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's kind of funny because I've always looked at bad things and crisis times. If you are a leader and you're willing to adapt and innovate, it can become something, a huge opportunity. And look at those radio stations. Yeah. The, the roof leaked. My first meeting that I had with my sales team, I'm in my suit. I'm 22 years old, 21 years or whatever. And I'm in a suit and tie, all excited. And there's water dripping on my head when I'm giving my big speech to give my first rah-rah speech to the sales <laughs> team because the place was bankrupt and had a leak in the roof. Yeah. But that turned into the stepping stone for what has become a life of marketing and storytelling. So yeah. that adversity became what is great for me today and has been my whole career. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh great. We're listening to the voice of Dave Mastovich, founder, CEO of Mass Solutions. Tell me what it's like for you when you are able uh, to convey this message that you have to somebody who has been failing, to see a business turn around. I'm sure there's not a better feeling than that. There's nothing as for me personally, there's a couple of things that are great. I mean, you know, obviously family comes first and yeah. that's what I've driven my whole life around it. But my work comes after my family. My balance was different with the company was I said, the reason I did my solutions was those corporate jobs. I'm working 50, 60, 65, 70 hours a week. And I'm, I was starting to have kids, and I said, no, this is not how I want this. So family comes first. But after that, helping a person or a company to better understand their target audiences and how to communicate with them mm -hmm. and to better communicate their message to then improve the top and bottom line is so gratifying. Mm. I was blessed in those early positions where I did a, I was part of a couple of turnarounds. And to see a healthcare system with a couple thousand employees that – had six days cash on hand and wasn't able to make payroll within 18 months, had turned it around and was profitable and was growing. Those are just incredible feelings. And at Mass Solutions, to see one company we worked with, when we started working with them, they were doing $5 million in top-line sales. They're now doing $75 million about oh, six wow. years later. Yeah. And their CEO and their leadership team is the reason why, but they pulled us in as well to help them. And their CEO has been recognized nationally for his work. That is the kind of stuff that just sticks with you forever. Yeah. It just makes you feel like you're really making a positive impact. And I'm sure for some of these organizations, Dave, the first step is the toughest, as they say. And if someone is accustomed to doing things a certain way, um, 
it's quite often difficult to get them to change, right? How do you convince yes. somebody to change his or her ways? Well, I will first admit I'm not for everyone, nor is my company. And the no BS mantra is infused throughout the company. So there are many people that we meet with that we realize we're not a fit with. Mm. Now, early in my mm -hmm. career, uh, early in the times of Mass Solutions, the first five or six years, I was way too optimistic, arrogant, whatever term you want to say. Mm -hmm. I really believed I could help any company. Mm. But mm -hmm. I have a lot of scars to prove that that's not true because <laughs> the company has to want. Yeah, The right. company has to want the help. Right, yeah. So, so when you're talking to someone, you can very quickly see how vulnerable they're willing to be and how open they are to ideas. And this is the key. How willing are they to pay for ideas? Mm, mm -hmm. Now, see, one of the reasons my career took off, mm -hmm. I'll let the secret into everybody out there. Mm -hmm. My career took off because I was willing to bring in outside people to give me outside perspective and ideas. And I was willing to pay for those ideas, mm. and, and then I was willing to implement those ideas. Mm. That's what helped my career have the meteoric rise that it had early on. Yeah. And I look at leaders today that are willing to do that. The guy that I told you that became CEO of the year, yeah. this guy didn't just bring in mass solutions. He brought in multiple people because he knew he didn't have the internal wherewithal to get it done. And he ended up growing that company 10x and making it just super special. Yeah. So when I'm talking to someone, I can tell if they're going to be willing to really pay for ideas. That's a real struggle for a lot of people. You have to be pretty creative and have vision. Yeah understand you know one time i i did a deck for somebody and it was it was uh i don't want to say how much it was it wasn't six figures but it was close for a deck mm -hmm. that deck changed their position and was a difference of millions and millions of double digit millions of dollars of profit mm. and you're saying what are you talking about a deck no no it wasn't just that it was a deck it was the ideas in the deck and the messages in the deck but someone who wants to buy a pound of flesh, someone who's used to buying pieces of equipment or widgets struggles with thinking, wait a minute, I'm paying tens of thousands of dollars for a deck, a PowerPoint deck, a keynote deck. That kind of person, it might still be successful and they can be okay, but they're not going to be the growth company and they're not going to be the market share leader. Mm -hmm. The market share leader understands that if you don't have the ideas, go pay someone to give them to you because that's what is the capital in today's world. And the same ideas apply to the mom and pop as do the big corporations, I'm sure, too, just on a smaller scale, right? Yes, and, and when when you say mom and pop, there's all kinds of different sized companies. So so like a, a corner pizza shop that is, uh, you know, if it's Punky's Pizza, if there's still you know, Punky's mm -hmm. Pizza in in uh, Johnstown with Shmoo, uh, Scott Miller was a former student of mine, and Bob Miller was a friend of mine. They, they're going to struggle because financially they can't pay a lot for ideas. So when I say pay for ideas, I don't mean that a one-location unit that does a half million in sales can spend $50,000 on ideas. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. But when a company starts getting to where they have 20, 30, 50 employees, that's still a small business. That yeah. still could qualify as almost mom and pop. They are getting to the point where they're going to need outside expertise on how to craft their message and how to define their target audiences. 
that's one of the biggest things that people think they know who their target audience is. We help them carve out who their target audience really is, and we bring it down to multiple variables, multiple segmentation variables, so it's much clearer who that smaller target audience is, but you can actually reach and influence and engage with them. That kind of stuff you need to be able to invest in and that's the key is to see this all as investments but Mm -hmm. they're investments in ideas and strategies yeah getting word out very important and of course with your background in media and obviously something that's interested me since i was a kid as well do we use media appropriately oftentimes people don't and what you have to see the media channel is as the vehicle to reach your target audience so while the media can be a target audience of you, you have to realize that you're looking to convince them that you have something for their listeners or viewers or readers. And if you can convince them of that, they can then become a vehicle for your message. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing today is talking to you. And of course, I absolutely benefit if someone in Johnstown hears this and thinks, I, I would like to talk to Dave. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I'm bringing you value. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing you value that any listener that has a business in Johnstown is getting value from this conversation. So I have to see it that way. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to leverage the media. Mm-hmm. And I think many people don't see it that way, and they complain about the media. They say the media's got this bias, that bias. Um, the media's too expensive. I think the most important thing about the media is to see it as a vehicle to reach the media's customers who are also your customers. Yeah. So you have to present it in a way that the media outlet realizes that you're bringing them value for their listeners, readers, or viewers. And you're also getting value by reaching their listeners, viewers, and readers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave Mastovich, founder, CEO of Mass Solutions. If people want to reach out to you uh, directly, Dave, they want to find out some information about you, also the publications that you've had as well, uh, what would you advise they do? A couple of things. So masssolutions.biz, we help you get more biz. So masssolutions.biz, and it's M-A-S. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S dot B-I-Z. That's the website, but also just put Dave at MassSolutions.biz, and you can come directly to me on my email. My social media outlet that I spend the most time on because I deal with owners, entrepreneurs, presidents, CEOs, C-suite people like chief operating officers and chief marketing officers, my social outlet is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I'm just Dave Mastovich at Link- in LinkedIn. You look up Dave Mastovich Pittsburgh, and you're going to find me. I tend to connect with a broad array of people. I try to know the person I connect with for the most part, but I do a lot of speaking, and I do a lot of interviews like this. So when someone emails me in, on LinkedIn and says, hey, I heard you here, even though I might not know them, I might, I might still connect with them and can provide them valuable information. I have a book, uh, Get Where You Want to Go Through Marketing, Selling, and Storytelling. I also have a podcast, and I have a blog that's on Mm MassSolutions.biz. I have a keynote and three-hour version of that that uh, I speak across the country to organizations. And so I can be be a, a speaker for people as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I tell you what, I really enjoyed this conversation. Time just flew by. Uh, you know, this is this is a great subject matter, and uh, you are a fascinating individual, Dave. I really appreciate the time. And maybe there's somebody that didn't get to hear the first part of our uh, conversation here. 
But, you know, again, this has been a real trying time this last month, and who knows how much longer this is going on. But a small business guy like me, what advice do you give during this trying time? All right, so let's say you have um, X number of people that have get, get music lessons from you, and you have uh, you want to try to reach them. Mm-hmm. I think you reach out via email and text, and you send a link for a Zoom call. Yeah. And you say, "I want to have a fun. I want to have a fun call with all fifty of you." Mm-hmm. And so then, fifty of your people come on. You say, "Bring your instrument," and they all get on, and you do something fun, and you have everybody doing a guitar riff or whatever. And you just say, "I want to start doing something like this weekly," so everybody knows that even though. I'm not able to physically be with you to give you a lesson. I can meet you and talk to you on this Zoom call, mm-hmm. and we can all talk together. And then you can even do breakout groups. You can say, this group of five are going to be together, and we're going to practice together and almost make make a joke of it and say, we're going to make a song once a week or something. Mm-hmm. So you're leveraging Zoom technology. And it doesn't have to be Zoom. I'm not, a, I'm not a paid sponsor of Zoom. It's just Zoom happens to be the video virtual product that I use. Right. But it could be Skype. It could be whatever you use. I think you need to reach out all of those customers. The second thing you need to reach out to is your centers of influence or referral sources. Everybody has somebody who tells others about them. You need to reach out to them, text them, and just say, hey, we're still in business. We're fighting through this. You've probably had people, maybe a music teacher at a high school Mm -hmm. who refers to you. Mm -hmm. So you text a music teacher at a high school and you tell them, hey, we're doing this cool Zoom thing. I'm keeping it live. If you have someone that wants lessons, have them pop in for free on this Zoom call, and they'll get to know me. They'll get a sense of uh, understanding what I'm all about. You do that with your your referral sources, your centers of influence, your, your music teachers. You're now touching your referral sources and your centers of influence. Even if you only have 10 employees, you need to be getting all 10 of you on a Zoom call or a Skype call so you see each other. There are people that are really struggling because they need a high level of personal interaction. I'm not that way. I tend to be comfortable on the phone and with email and I I love to think alone but I have team members who uh, are much more engaging and they're energized by face-to-face conversation Mm -hmm. for those people you need to make sure you're letting them see you and you're talking to them and they're getting the sense of you and there's the the connection visually so that's what I would tell small businesses right now because we are going to come out of this yeah and we're going to come out of it strong and we're going to have changed as an economy Stuff like home, working from home is going to be way more prevalent like it should have been, but it was fought because of the fear, the fear of owners and CEOs that it wouldn't be productive. I can tell you my company's more productive today than before COVID-19. Interesting. I personally, I'm going to work two days a week from home Mm -hmm. because I've seen I become more productive because there's less interruptions. So there's going to be changes because of this. And it's going to be positive. It's going to be a different world, but it's going to be positive. You now need to be reaching, influencing, and engaging with each of your target audiences, employees, current customers, past customers, centers of influence or referral sources. So that's how I would tell you, Bo, as a a person who's giving back, your business is really giving back. You Mm -hmm. know, I know you still have to make a buck, but you're giving back. You're changing people. You're changing youth and giving them something to get better at with their music. Mm -hmm. You can do this. You can go out and leverage these these virtual video vehicles to tell your story and connect with your your key target audiences. Absolutely. Boy, good stuff. David Masovich, founder, CEO of Mass Solutions. Uh, Really appreciate this conversation. Very much enjoyed this. Thank you, Dave. 
Thank you for having me. I'm happy to happy to do it anytime. Love Johnstown. It's a part of me forever.